I'm going to get the 411 done next episode, so this is just going to be just a bad day and a little bit from from. All right. Now time to explain to people just what's wrong with me. Hey man, I finally was able to favor you. Sorry it took so long. Um, we'll get together and talk about doing the show sometime soon. I usually do it on the computer, so I don't know how it'll work on my phone. But we'll try it out sometime soon. Just let me take care of a few other things first. But keep doing what you're doing. Keep the faith, man. I saw your cross on your neck and i like that so god bless you brother and i will talk with you soon bye hey justin thanks for that i appreciate it um yeah man i used to be a uh big believer when i was younger you know i'm in my 30s now um I don't wear the cross because I believe in, like, um, you know, I'm Catholic or I believe in that God. Uh, you know, but like you said, you're down with that. What happened was a while back, my sister passed, and I keep it on to remember her. It wasn't hers, but I didn't never had nothing, so I, I have to believe, you know you do go somewhere when you pass and you know i don't believe in the god i was brought up to you know that everybody usually like the lightning bolt guy or that guy but uh yeah i'm 100 percent with you i believe in a higher being just you know out of our concept so i appreciate those kind words and um yeah you take your time getting back to me i have been spending a lot of time just trying to get this recording going i want to do missing 411 and just a bad day so i mixed it up put it in a pot and this is what i got all right let's get on with it hello my name is bishop yeah bishop balls yeah b a all yeah pretty much it's b a l l s yeah B-A-L-L-S, Bishop Balls, yes, I just, <sighs> listen, I gotta, I gotta report something here, um, yeah, I know this is, listen, I, I, I'm an owner, I'm a, you know, of a house, um, the point I'm getting at is, uh, kids know I'm a coach, and they came in, they stole all my basketballs, and, uh, I think this, look, they're, you're laughing. You're laughing at me. I can I could literally hear you laughing. I don't think there's a point to any of this other than, you know, they stall it because of the joke. B-A-L-L-S. Are you guys making fun of me too? This is just ridiculous. You just tuned in to Just a Bad Day with Jimmy James. Now let me tell you my story of growing up.
I could just keep talking. No, God, please, no! Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jimmy James. So, today I have a little mixture of just a bad day for... Sorry, I have not been on. I recently got my vaccine shot. Still working on the dentist. <laughs> um, maybe I should just call. That's how I get started out. And also, been missing on a couple of 411 cases. And been watching that show from. So I decided to take a break from podcast. And so, just to let you know I'm still here. I'm going to come back better than ever. And with more structure and... Um, you know, I really want to dive deep on these missing 411 cases, which I'm going to have a different name by then. So for each episode, I don't know if I want to have it, Mr. F- you know, uh, missing 411, but I want to have something like that for the respect of the person who started all this, which is David Politis. Um, Politis, if I'm saying that wrong. So... For now, stay tuned, and I will be right back with a little bit of from the series on Epics I'm watching. Also, missing 411 cases. Going to give you two or three cases, and a little bit of just a bad day for. So, stay tuned, and... Like usual, take care of yourselves and one another until I get back to you. Okay, take care for now. Just another bad day. Here we go. Adding humor as you're talking with people can be a risky business, but it could also add interest and sparkle to your conversations. People like, listen to, and trust more to those who make them laugh. A study conducted by Jeffrey Hall, who's a researcher from... One of our great fears, which haunts us when we go out into the world and socialize with others, is that we may in our hearts be really rather boring. In well-meaning attempts to boost our confidence ahead of challenging moments, people often try to draw our attention to our strengths, our intelligence. Hey everyone, and welcome to Top Think. Today we're going to learn about the 4 a.m. rule and why successful people wake up early. It's getting late. 
After a long day at work, you spent the afternoon relaxing at home. You read a couple chapters of a book. You ordered takeout from your favorite place, and now you're winding down for the night. The moment you climb into bed, your body melts into the sheets. Your eyelids grow heavy. The world begins to drift away. Until suddenly... If you want to sound like a pro, download these sounds now. Or be stupid. I shit you not, I went on the internet or fucking YouTube and I looked up funny, you know, sounds because I was doing the soundboard. They've people made YouTube videos just to have these sounds. Like no shit. Like that, if I wanted that, or... Are you kidding me? I mean, somebody did all these... I don't know. Let me get back to what the fuck I was doing. And here we go, guys. This is it. As you can hear right now, you're about to hear some crazy shit. Here we go. It's on that side. Start that over, shall we? <laughs> All right, so what I did today. I really, like, went nuts trying to figure out all my settings and my laptop. So, this is just a bad day and missing 411. All in one shot. Problem is, I couldn't get my phone to work. I really wanted to do this on my new phone, but... <sighs> unfortunately, I am me. And my ADD took me like six hours overdue. Uh, I did that. I did the um, live. I did two live um, videos on YouTube. And I just wanted to say once again thanks to Justin for finally favoring me back. That was fun. And... But now, I, you know, it's Saturday. I want you guys to kick back, relax. I'm going to turn off my laptop. And uh, we are going to kick back and just just have some... Oh, I better not screw this up. Shit, shit, and shit balls. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, cool, I didn't. 
I am most like I'm still learning. I'm still learning the laptop. No, I really am. It's uh, Acer three fifteen. So, uh, last thing I have. If you look at my live, I did about an hour almost on one, and the other one, the first one, I only did like uh, twenty minutes or so. Long story short. If anybody knows how to get that to work, where I can get my headset 3.5 jack to work into my new Motorola phone, where it works, I can hear, but I can't talk clearly out of it on the phone. So right now I'm using my laptop, or my tablet. Alright, let's get on with the show. Jimmy James saying, we'll be right back after this sponsorship. Just a bad day. Now we're going to move on to 411. By the way, missing 411. A little bit of uh, useless information, but useful just in case it ever happens to you. The guy... Who really started this, David Politis, or Politis, or however I say his name. Uh, he started saying missing 411 because of information, the lack of information. So, he would call it the 411 profile. And that's how it became missing 411. Here we go. Hit it! And here we go with missing 411. People who... Has never been found. <laughs> so sad. They just disappeared. Abducted. Billy. Billy. Whoops. Alright, here we go, guys. I'm all, I'm done jerking around. Alright, so it seems like I can't record any audio when I mute my mic. For example, I'm going to have to try to do this. I gotta allow it to run, so I think I have to give it... All the permissions are good. So I gotta go to advance... Oh, that's good. And, um, alright. So now I'm going to go to screen time. No, not that kind of screen time. See, when it's playing in the background, like for instance. But at some point, you've had a problem. I don't know if you can hear this. Mute. Now I'm going to. It's a weird song. Okay. Alright. Well, I finally got my phone. Not my phone. Um, I finally got this fixed. I recorded a whole funny Just a Bad Day skit. And it got... It didn't get deleted. It just got muted. So, I'm only going to do this last little part, and then we're going to go to the 411, because I got to get off. I'm giving myself 45 more minutes. So, let's get on with this weird fucking show. All right, here we go. Oh, well, 
<laughs> we were gonna go. Um, here we go. Are you trying to, yeah, like everybody loves you on the WWE. You're, you're so incredible. Like, you're brilliant. And what I love about WWE, it's your one of my favorite things about WWE. About WWE is trash talking. Yeah. I love it so much, but you do something which I think is really interesting. You do like a reverse trash talk. Well, it's really? part of your training, and as the greatest showman, I think it's the last stage of right. your evolution. I'm ready. What is a reverse trash talk? So you have to trash talk, but essentially say nothing bad. Wow. Like you, sitting there in the first row with your legs crossed and your vest on. You look focused. <laughs> like you're really paying attention to what I'm saying and it's making me feel great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your fashionable tie. <laughs> you even look at me the way you are. I will smile from ear to ear for the rest of the ear to ear. You want to give it a try? You want to give John some reverse traction? The last stage of your training. Is that it? This is Hugh Jackman, ladies and gentlemen. John Cena, is that it? With your blue eyes and your perfect hair and your beautiful three-piece suit, your fashionable, expensive three-piece suit. You look amazing, John Cena. Do you understand me? You are amazing. Why can't I get Hugh Jackman to call me amazing? I mean, wouldn't that be nice to have this happen to you? Just Hugh Jackman. You look amazing. Fuck, man. Why can't the average person get that? You know? I just think it's bullshit. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, I just wanted to share this little four minutes less with you. Uh, Jimmy O. Yang. I know I'm becoming an adult, finally. Because now my favorite TV show is Fixer Upper on HGTV. <laughs> That's the greatest show of all time. You guys watch it? Chip and Joanna Gaines, Fixer Upper. It's a great show, right? It's a great show. Like, it's really a beautiful relationship. Joanna does all the interior decorating, and she brings it on furniture, makes the house look amazing, and Chip just hires Mexicans to do everything from. <laughs> it's the most symbiotic American relationship ever. And it's a really nice show. It's a feel-good show, right? It's an aspiring show. You watch the show, and you're like, man, one day, maybe my house could look that nice if I moved to Waco, Texas. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Give up on my life and move to Waco, Texas. Maybe I can have a new open-concept kitchen. I don't know about you guys is expensive where I live in LA and I watch the show and I just get frustrated because you get like these like entry-level job having people in Texas and they're like Joanna we're looking for a six-bedroom house on three acres of land and our budget's $50,000 <laughs> that's true I can't even buy a crack house in Compton for <laughs> yeah, sorry I had to live I had to. HGTV is just basically MTV Cribs for adults. Because when you're 15, you're crazy at dreams, you know? You watch MTV Cribs, and you're like, oh, man, one day I hope I can have a Lamborghini. 
one day I hope I can have a fridge with only Gatorade. <laughs> it's true. And now you're like 35, your dreams just get a little more realistic. <laughs> you're watching HGTV and you're just like, oh man, one day I wish I could just fix this roof. <laughs> I'm going through that problem. <laughs> Bogger. Look, I'm, I'm doing like fine by any measure. You know, but I still live in a one-bedroom apartment because that is rent-controlled. And when the Asian people, when we find a good deal, we never let an go. Yeah. That apartment is about to be generational. It's going to get passed down my nephew, his kids, and all that. It's mine now, basically. I don't want to buy a house. I live by myself. And I'm scared of ghosts. I've seen enough movies to know that ghosts only haunt houses. <laughs> Not one-bedroom apartments. Yeah. I've seen enough Hollywood movies to know that ghosts only haunt rich people's houses in the suburbs, preferably with a newborn baby. Because they got way too much to lose. High stakes. I live by myself. I ain't got nothing to lose. A ghost come haunt me, I just move. <laughs> Worst come to worst, I lose my security deposit, you know? What's a ghost gonna do? He's gonna follow me from unit to unit. Start knocking on my life fixtures and I'm like, hey dog, go ahead, it's not mine. Wrong, we both get evicted, okay? Like, you don't wanna be a homeless ghost. <laughs> and if you really think about it, what kind of loser ghost haunts an apartment? That means that ghost probably died in that apartment. He didn't even die a homeowner. <laughs> I ain't got no respect for that. He comes home, man, I just start talking shit. I'm like, hey, dog, what was your credit score when he died, though? Like, for real. Alright, <laughs> guys, that's that was... <laughs> if you haven't seen him, he's on uh, Netflix. His name is Jimmy O. Yang. Yes, most Jimmys are funny. Alright, so this next bit coming up i'm gonna stop this here and then restart a new one and then uh this next bit is going to be from the uh show from from season one i'm sorry from episode one season one to the latest episode season uh one episode seven next episode airs tomorrow i believe it's yeah sunday so it's on epics so from here on out, there's going to be uh, some spoilers. I'll try to let you know before the spoiler, and we're going to just get into this breakdown. So I'm going to try to work this in every week. So let's catch up with some YouTube and some me. All right, be right back. All right, guys. So this is from, and just to give you a heads up, this is going to be the recap of all seven episodes. This is the first three. This is 16 minutes long, but I'm going to cut it down to about less than 10. And I'm not going to be the one doing most of the recap, and I'm going to let it be from somebody else. And then I'm going to jump in and tell you what I think about that certain thing. And maybe that you miss a couple things that I caught that maybe these guys didn't catch. First time I'm seeing this, so... Let's start it. Okay, here we go. This is from Recap. 
One to three. So From follows a group of strangers who find themselves trapped in a supernatural nightmarish town. And to make matters worse, terrifying creatures roam the town every night, slaughtering those unlucky enough to get caught outside. So this show initially caught my interest when I saw the trailers a couple months ago and it also has the executive producer of the show Lost behind it which was a show I never watched personally but I was aware that it was a very popular show and you can also tell that this show is heavily inspired by Stephen King's work as well because some of the people behind this show also worked on some Stephen King shows also and I gotta say I've been really enjoying the show so far but let's go ahead and get into the recap and theories for episode one Long Day's Journey Into Night. So episode one starts out with introducing us to Sheriff Boyd Stevens, who's ringing a bell to alert the townspeople that it's time to call it a day and go inside before it gets dark. We also see a sign hanging up outside the post office in the town displaying that the town has gone 96 nights without incidents, meaning there has been no deaths in town during this period. Then later we come across Frank Pratt, who's laid out drunk on the floor at some sort of town bar slash old gas station. Then across town we see his wife and daughter at home waiting up for him, but of course he doesn't make it home before dark and they are forced to call it a night without him. Then while his wife Lauren and daughter Megan prepare for bed, his daughter Megan hears a knock at her window and a voice claiming to be her grandmother asking to come inside. She walks over to the window, opens the curtains, and realizes that the woman doesn't really look like her grandma. By this time, Megan's mother Lauren is upstairs and is telling Megan that it's not her grandmother standing outside the window, but the woman outside proceeds to ask Megan can she come inside. Megan then says fuck it why not, I'm just kidding she doesn't actually say that but shit she might as well have. But anyway, Megan opens the window and then we see the woman claiming to be her grandma shapeshift into some sort of demon and then presumably slaughters the shit out of poor Megan and her mother Lauren. You know, I found it to be a little bit strange that she actually acknowledges that the woman doesn't really look like her grandmother, but still she opens the window. That was silly as hell, but I mean, hey, she's a kid and kids do dumb shit, so whatever. The next day, we are introduced to the Matthew family. Alright, see, I, I kind of disagree. He said kids do some dumb shit. First of all, the family kind of just got there. They're, they weren't that there that long. It's a little girl seeing her grandmother that looks like a grandmother but doesn't, you know. But I don't see where the kids do stupid shit. So this guy's going to get down, and I really – I know you guys want to hear this, but I'm just letting you know. If you haven't seen the show, this is going to be spoilers, but at the same time, I mean you're going to watch it anyway because it's mind-bending at this point you know right now i have a couple theories and i caught a couple easter eggs that i don't think anybody else has caught so let's continue and heading home where we eventually see people gathered around his house then boyd confronts frank outside where he bitch slaps him a couple times boyd is the sheriff by the way and the guy who's getting bitch slapped is the guy who was passed out drunk and the daughter and the wife who died were his family understandably and drags him through his own home upstairs to his daughter's room to show him his murdered family with their chest ripped out so boyd mentions in this scene that he warned frank to board up his windows because it's what they advise when you have children but of course frank failed to do this and here's another thing why wasn't the house already boarded up there's a lot of crazy shit that goes on, like the electricity, which I won't get into. Um, the food, I won't get into. Um, basically, why wasn't the windows already nailed shut, you know? 
He then eventually gets locked away because this is what the town does when one individual's careless actions lead to another's death. Then we cut back to the Matthews family, who runs across a tree blocking the road, and we also see a shit ton of crows circling in the sky above them, but they decide to head back to their RV and go back the way they came to hopefully find another way. Later back in town, we see Boyd paying his son Ellis a visit at the colony house to inform him of the Pratt family tragedy and invites him to pay his respects. And there's two colonies. There's the town colony and the, uh, the hill colony, like the house colony. And you can either live in the town, which there are certain rules, and the house or that colony has certain rules, which I'm sure, you know, if you ever watch Lost, it's weird like that. And it's, this is just more bizarre than Lost was. Here we go. And Ellis seems to spitefully decline the invite. So we can definitely tell that there's some animosity right now between Boyd and Ellis, but we just don't know what that is yet because we don't have that history. So we find out about the two groups later, but the gist of it is that one group lives in town by a set of rules, and the other group lives in the colony house, whose motto is to live for the day because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And they kind of just sort of do whatever the hell they want. Now, there are pros and cons to both, and we'll probably get into that a bit later, but like I said, that's the gist of it for now. Then we jump back to see that the Matthews family has finally arrived in the town where... Okay, Matthews family comes back in. This is where I'm going to let this run. There is um, 12 minutes left, or I'm sorry, 10 minutes left or so, 13 and the Matthews family is the new family that's coming in. They already came in once. So, like you said, they get into it. But this is season episode, season one, episode one through three recap. So here we go. Enjoy the rest of it. Remember, spoilers if you haven't seen it from... Boyd and Kenny greets them with directions to simply just follow the road and they'll see. Jim, who's understandably confused by the directions, proceeds to join his family back in the RV and they continue to drive. Eventually they get frustrated because they've ended up back in the town a couple more times, but they continue to drive and end up crashing due to a swerving SUV that runs them off the road. The driver of the SUV, Toby, stumbles into town and alerts Boyd and Kenny of the accident. Now during this time, Boyd and Kenny were currently laying out a spike trip to stop the Matthews family from speeding through the town because they decided that it was finally time to break the news to them. But unfortunately, they don't get to use the spikes for this reason, and instead they suddenly have to leave to go help them. Boyd and Kenny realize that they only have about two hours of daylight left so Kenny takes Toby to receive medical attention while Boyd rushes to help those in the accident. Afterwards, back in town, Father Catree and Kenny are rounding up help to assist. Later, they arrive on the road to help Jade and the Matthew family, but they find out that the son Ethan is going to require a little more time and medical attention due to being impelled by a table leg during the accident. And since they aren't going to make it back before dark, they prepare to take shelter overnight in the RV. During this time back in town, we find out that Sarah kills Toby, but we aren't really sure why at this time. We then cut to Kenny rushing back to town with everyone and Boyd, Jim, and Christy are staying behind with Ethan to assist in the RV. On the way back, Kenny and the group run over the spike strips that him and Boyd laid out earlier, forcing the group to travel the rest of the way on foot to the colony house instead of town because the colony house is closer. During this time, both groups are being tested. You know, Boyd is trying to get Jim up to speed on all the supernatural shit while also trying to keep Christy calm and focused because there are a bunch of demons outside the RV 
RV pretending to be humans to get inside. And that's where episode one ends. So in episode two, the way things are now, we have Kenny and the group rushing to seek shelter inside the colony house while slowly being followed by the creatures. But they do eventually make it inside safely. And back in the RV, things have sort of settled down a bit. And Boyd explains to Jim that covering the windows and hanging up the talisman is what keeps them safe from the creatures. And of course, Jim is understandably very skeptical about all of this shit. He's like, what? Jumping back to the colony house, we find out that Tabitha and Julie are fine, and that Tabitha basically receives the same info from Donna that Boyd gave Jim pertaining to the supernatural details of the town. And downstairs, her daughter Julie gets to meet Mr. Creepy Victor, yay, who reveals to her that it's been a long time since two cars have arrived at the same time, and how there's something special about that occurrence. And of course, Julie is creeped the hell out by Victor and has no clue what the hell he's talking about, but luckily Fatima shows up, runs Victor her away and introduces herself and tries to console Julie. In the process, she unties her, takes her on a little tour, and provides some info about the creatures and how they tend to use people you know to get in your head. We then jump back to the RV to see that Boyd is still trying to maintain everyone's sanity and he seems to be doing a pretty good job at it. Then back at the colony house, Julie gets more acclimated after making new friends with Fatima and Ellis and we also check back in on Tabitha and Donna while Donna explains the events she experienced leading up to getting trapped in the town. She tells Tabitha that her and her sister were on a hunting trip when they came across the tree in the road, revealing the fact that everyone who ends up there sees the fallen tree in the road first. She also says that they drove through the town the first time at night and there were a crowd of people standing around. She says the second time around, one of the people were standing in the road and her hot-headed sister jumped out of the car to confront the person and got her damn face ripped off. And Donna then continues to explain how they proceeded to skin her ass the same way they would skin deer together. Fuck, that's cold. Donna says she ran away and hid in the bushes and reveals to Tabitha that that's what everyone used to do there to survive, just hide and pray that they would make it into the morning. And later that night, we also get Kenny's story on how he ended up trapped in the town as well while he talks to Father Katree. He explains how it all started with his father's dementia and how he wandered away from home and ended up in the city. And after he and his mother retrieved his father from the city, on the drive back home, they saw the tree in the road. Then, we jump to a brief scene of Sarah telling her brother how she didn't have a choice, and then she proceeds to ask him for help as if she's unable to control her actions, but before we are able to learn more about what Sarah actually meant by that, there's a time jump and we see that it's morning now, and we see the Matthew family united again. Then finally we jump back to Sarah the next morning, revealing to her brother that she left the door open at the clinic, and she says the creature's voices are constantly in her head, and that they told her that leaving the door open was the only way that they could go home. Now remember, we know some shit's up with Sarah already because because she killed Toby in the first episode. We know that she's been hearing voices, so we gotta keep an eye on her. Later that morning, we see that Kenny finds his father slaughtered, and we see him taking his anger out by chopping down a tree, which was actually the opening scene of this episode. So yeah, that's what that meant. Then back in town, we see Boyd wiping the 96 off the board at the post office, because they haven't been so successful lately with maintaining no incidents. Then in the last scene of this episode, we see Ethan looking out the window of the colony house at a kid wearing all white with his finger to his mouth telling Ethan to keep quiet. Now personally I don't think the kid in white is a trick. I really do think that Ethan is seeing this kid because that is going to symbolize some sort of way that they can get out of this place in the future but that's my theory. 
Alright, so next up we have episode 3, Choosing Day. So we finally get a proper introduction to Jade, who was initially high on some shit in episode 1 when he and Toby ran the Matthew family off the road. But he wakes up in the colony house in the middle of the night, yelling, tied to a bed, demanding Donna to untie him. We then jump to a scene of Boyd speaking with Frank and asking him if he's hungry or if he would like to tie up any loose ends, implying that Frank probably isn't going to be around much longer. Then back at the colony house, after Donna lays out all the supernatural shit to get Jade up to speed, Jade decides that it's all bullshit and that everyone must be hired actors by Toby and to play along with everyone there must be some sort of puzzle he needs to solve. So he proceeds to wander around the area assuming it's all a game. He even steals one girl's bike to get around faster and that shit was pretty funny. You know I thought Jade would be annoying but he's actually turning out to be a pretty funny character so let's see if he keeps his sarcasm once he finds out that everything Donna said was true. Next, we cut to a shot of Ethan continuing to stare out the window at the kid in white, and we also get to see that the Matthew family is slowly starting to adjust to their new surroundings. Later that day, they get approached by Father Catree regarding the choosing ceremony, where they have to choose whether or not to live in the colony house or in town. Meanwhile, we jump back to Jay just to see what the hell he's been up to, and we see that he arrives at the diner still assuming that everyone inside is hired actors. Funny guy right here. Then we find out that Sarah only showed up to work at the diner so it wouldn't look suspicious after what happened with Toby and Kenny's father, which were both deaths caused by her. Sarah does seem to be conflicted with wanting to help the people of the town, but at the same time it seems like she truly feels like she might be doing the right thing by helping the creatures. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like she is 100% being forced by the creatures to me. Like some of it comes across as though she truly thinks she's being a good person when she does some of these evil things but hey I'm just speculating but I still don't trust her ass. So later while Father Catree is giving Jim and Tabitha a tour of the town we get to learn about the town's only form of punishment, the box, which is where you have to spend one night in the box if your actions or negligence leads to someone else's death, which we saw an example of this already in episode 1 with Frank and his family. Father Catree also informs Jim and Tabitha of the Pratt family incident since that's the house they'll be living in if they choose to live in town. Meanwhile, in the woods, Boyd spends time with Frank during his final moments and he actually begins to pity Frank and sort of rethinks his punishment. Back at the colony house, Ellis makes a crutch for Ethan so he's able to get around on his own. Hell yeah for Ethan. Then back at the diner, Jade and Kenny are having breakfast together and Jade is still not convinced that any of this is real and proceeds to bring up a good point asking Kenny where does the breakfast come from? Which is kind of a good question if I'm being honest because like yeah where the hell is it coming from? Yeah that's what I'm uh I wanted to get at is where's the breakfast where's this food coming from you know like but uh I you know uh I'm not gonna go further than after this there's only a couple minutes left I'm going to call it a night on that. So enjoy the rest of this, and I hope you like it and watch it. They're trapped in some sort of portal or something. And by the way, portal is the terminology I chose. They haven't actually said that in the show, so I just want to be clear about that. But anyway, Kenny doesn't know and just responds to Jade telling him, we don't know where the chickens and the cows come from. So I just wanted to say this real quick before we continue is that I think it's pretty cool that the show is self-aware enough to answer these types of questions. Like these types of things are very minor, but people do think about these types of things when watching these kinds of shows. It's such a small thing, but I feel 
like elaborate details like this are pretty cool to have in shows like this. So yeah, I thought that was pretty dope. But back at the colony house, we see Ethan approaching Victor, who seems to be outside doing something weird. Ethan is curious and asks Victor what he's doing. At first, Victor is like, go away, until Ethan decides to ask about the kid in white. And this seems to ring a bell to Victor. And then he actually answers Ethan's question, and he tells him that he's checking to see if the trees have moved. Victor is crazy as hell, but I'm just joking though. Obviously, Victor knows something. Then we cut to Jade, who's plundering around an old basement where he notices a symbol on the ceiling and a dead guy who just fucking screams at him. It definitely seems like something is trying to communicate with Jade in this moment, but he leaves the basement laughing still, believing that this all was a setup by his old pal Toby. So yeah, this guy, man. Meanwhile, in town at the church, Boyd tells Father Katri that he's unable to follow through with punishing Frank, and he wants to hear a better solution from Father Katri, who actually doesn't really offer a better solution at all. Instead, he tells Boyd to think about the consequences he'll face if he decides not to punish Frank, making Boyd's difficult dilemma even more difficult. A little later, Boyd decides to confront Frank to let him know that his new punishment is to be banished away from the town to go live in a shack in the woods. Then we jump to the choosing ceremony outside, where Boyd walks over and interrupts Father Katri to announce to everyone his new decision. But before he has a chance to say anything, he's interrupted by Frank, who feels great remorse for his negligence and decides for himself that he would rather be ripped to shreds in the box and rejoin his family in death. Afterwards, Boyd speeds up the choosing ceremony by asking the Matthew family to choose their group. Choosing a rock means the town, and choosing a flower means colony house. All of them decide to choose the town except Julie, who more than likely chose colony house to be spiteful to her parents because she feels unhurt. Then later, after choosing to live in town, Jade was kicked out of the choosing ceremony due to his normal, uh, goofy-ass ignorance. Kenny then decides to show Jade where Toby is buried, so he can finally start taking all this shit seriously before he gets yep. else hurt. Then finally, the episode ends with everyone going in for the night and Boyd walking Frank to the box, where Frank is later killed by the creatures, and that concludes episode three. All right, guys, that's it is for fars episode three uh i will be playing the rest of these so you guys can catch up on um four five six seven and eight but i'll be doing them in spurts but that's almost 20 minutes just of from i hope you liked it i didn't want to cut in too much and uh if you can get a chance uh take a look at it all right guys take care and like usual Take care of yourselves and one another. This is Jimmy James saying peace out.
before but that's not what this is for this is taking a minute for me to tell you please go follow me on spotify hit the bell you can even rate me go on facebook and hate me i don't care instagram it's unikiller x the jimmy james show a to z everything and anything That's you and me. Take care. Peace out.